This is Real Estate Rookie episode 326. As soon as I say cold calling, most people just kind of shut down. I'm never going to do that. Like, I can't do that. I promise you, you can. With your skill level, with your own unique personality, you absolutely can do this. But I think it's a matter of like managing your expectations. And I think that's where a lot of people get gummed up. So I'll tell you what I say and what I do. And then maybe we could dive a little bit deeper on this. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony J. Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And rookies, do we have an episode for you guys today? If you've ever thought to yourself, where can I find really good deals? How can I do that with the least amount of money possible? Uh, Nate Robbins, our guest for today, is going to answer that question for you. Now, Nate's a friend of both Ashley and I. Um, he's one of the biggest characters I think I know in the world <laughs> of real estate investing. He's always got a smile on his face, always making people laugh, but um, don't let his kind of boyish charm fool you. Uh, Nate is an absolute <laughs> beast, you know, when it comes to finding good off-market deals. You know what? That's so funny because that ex exactly describes him, his boyish charm. <laughs> yes. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, so we bring Nate on today and we talk about how he actually got started in real estate, gives you a little background of that. And it was a very unique situation and how he took advantage of this opportunity presented to him. Then we're going to go into how to source a deal, how to find a deal. And Nate will walk you through the two different paths um, as to how he finds addresses or gets the houses that he wants to go after. And we break down like exactly what you should say on the phone, exactly what you should do when you're at a seller appointment, step-by-step -step instructions. As you're listening to this, I want you to write down notes of what Nate is going to say and kind of develop your own plan to follow this along and just try it out. Make a, Pick up the phone, um, make a phone call, go door knocking, but Nate does a really great job of describing in detail a step-by-step -step list for you to go and do exactly what he is doing. Listen, it's not coffee or donuts. It's not campfires or s'mores, not peanut butter or jelly. Great things happen when two good things come together. So why choose between cash flow or appreciation? Rent to Retirement's new construction homes give you both. Rent to Retirement offers newly built homes that attract the best tenants with fewer repairs in outstanding rental markets. That means more monthly cash flow for you and plenty of equity growth in the background. Plus, their creative financing options let you buy investment properties with just 5% down. Not 20%, not 10%, 5% down. Rent to Retirement offers turnkey new construction homes already built, leased, and managed for you. Their investing experts find the best markets that consistently offer double-digit returns and prices as low as $150,000. And they've got more five-star reviews than any company on bigger pockets. You invest, Rent to Retirement does the rest. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. What does financial freedom mean to you? More time with your family and friends? The ability to take that globe-trotting trip? Or do you, do you just want to sleep in until 10 a.m. every day with no boss to answer to? Real estate is your gateway to financial freedom. But rent-ready property management software is what keeps your free time actually free. From seamless online rent collection to custom applications, property marketing tools, and repair request tracking, RentReady allows your portfolio to run on autopilot. The best part is you can manage all your rentals right from your cell phone. And that's why RentReady is my favorite property management app around. I use it for all my rentals. Whether you've got one or a dozen doors, RentReady helps you streamline how you manage your rental properties to create a life you love in 2024. Now, Rent Ready is already included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com. And use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. 
That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Nate Robbins, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. It's the honor of my life. I love you guys. And your audience doesn't know how lucky they are to have you in their lives. Well, thank you. That was a very nice compliment. Uh, but today we are here to shower you with love and admiration on your real estate investing journey. So Nate, why don't you start off telling everyone a little bit about yourself um, and then how you got started in real estate? Yeah. Um, so back in 2016, uh, I was working for a bank. I'd been working at a bank for about five years. I was a private client banker. And I'll be honest, I I really should not be where I am today. Like there's just uh, no logical reason, uh, way that I am where I am today. Um, and, uh, so I was working at the bank back in 2016 and I was actually hitting kind of like a midlife crisis. I was very uh, frustrated with my work, frustrated with life. And, uh, I got off a very frustrating phone call with a client and I hung up and I just see this random guy standing in the lobby and I not wanting to make any more phone calls. I just get up out of my desk. I wasn't necessarily supposed to pull clients from the lobby, walked over to this guy and I said, Hey man, how can I help you? And he says, well, I need to open a business account. And I was like, no problem. I can help with that. And so I brought him over to my desk. I was chatting with this guy and I'm like, dude, you're a really cool guy. Like, what do you do? And, uh, he goes, well, I'm in, I'm in real estate. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like I've always been interested in real estate. And, uh, you know, I bought Carlton Sheets when I was 18, trying to, your audience wouldn't even know who Carlton Sheets is. I don't know uh, what that is. <laughs> you don't know Carlton Sheets, Ashley? No, no. My, so, I, I, like, I have, like, a, I don't know, I was, like, a really weird kid. But like, like, I would stay up late during the summer months. And, like, you know, late at night when you don't have, like, really good cable packages, like, all you mm-hmm. see is infomercials. And yep. every single night, Carlton Sheets had an infomercial running for this at home kind of package that taught you how to buy real estate with no money down. Um, yeah. Anyway, he was like one of the big, like, you know, real estate info marketers back in the day. He's a, the original guru kind of yeah. things. He had sold a program <laughs> yeah. and then he'd get you in your loop and he'd sell you more programs and stuff. And so, and so, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, hey, actually, Tony, if you want, I'll send you the tapes. You could, you could, you could you listen know, to my, it again. My, you my dad actually had a copy. I was like in his garage like a decade ago and found like the old cards and sheets tapes also. It actually has some pretty good stuff in it. Like it's pretty basic, but it's like really good stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's nice. But Okay, Nate, you don't need to give us your affiliate link now. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've actually signed up. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sign up under but, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, also, Amway. I can, I can promote my Amway business also. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that, that one conversation uh, with that business account uh, ended up um, being a conversation with who you guys know, uh, Tarl Yarber. Um, I don't know if your audience would know who he is, but um, was one of the most successful real estate uh, flippers up here in the Seattle Pacific Northwest market. And, uh, and so he's like, well, Hey, let's, let's grab coffee and a lunch. And so that turned into about a two or three month conversation. And then after about three months, he said, Hey, uh, I'm willing to offer you a 90 day contract, uh, to, you know, come work with me. And so I had to make the choice of, do I stay at a safe job, uh, you know, at the bank and, or do I take a chance on a 90 day contract to go and, uh, you know, maybe succeed or fail at real estate. And so thankfully, uh, the fear of not knowing what would happen was greater than the fear of, you know, being safe and so, or the, you know, the, the need for security. And so I took the chance and it's been an absolute wild, wild ride ever since. In that moment when you were looking at, okay, 90 days, like what happens after 90 days, 
Are you the type of person that's like, worst case scenario, this is what I can do. Did you think you could go back to your other job? Maybe if somebody listening is giving given that same opportunity, what's your advice on ways that they can take that chance and kind of shift their mindset to, you know, leaping into something that may only be 90 days and not continue on? Yeah. Well, I, I got to the point, and again, I was kind of in a an existential crisis a little bit in my life. And so uh, I got to a place because it was a big deal because I was on a fairly successful track with my my job. You know, I had a plan, you know, seven year, 10 year plan, you know, and um, I, I, I got to the point of saying I, I had this image of saying, well, I'm, I'm on my deathbed. You know, it's like a kind of future casting. I'm on my deathbed. I'm always going to wonder what if. And the fear of, I had to see, I had to know what if, like, what if it did succeed? What if I did make it? What if this was my chance? And I had to know, even if I failed. And so I kind of hedged my bets where I left gracefully. I left kind of on an extended timeline to help my manager out. So I knew that I could always come back if I failed, Um, but I had to know. And so I think sometimes it's like, it's easy to play it safe, but you know, on your deathbed, when you're dying, and you're about to take your last breath. Are you going to be glad you took the chance or are you going to be glad you took it, played it safe? And I think most people, you know, and I, I'm sure you guys see a lot of these same motivational things. Most people on their deathbed, when they interview these people on their last moments, it's not taking the chance. It's not, it's not taking the risk and, and taking the opportunity. And so for me, I just, I had to see what happened down this path. And um, yeah, I would encourage other people too. It's like, man, take the chance, see what happens. Nate, I, I just want to ask, like you, you're, you're talking about taking this chance, but uh, you worked in a bank, but were you like in the in the mortgage department? Like, did you have any type of real estate experience, you know, prior taking this this uh, this big bet on yourself? I guess no, none. So why would Tarl want you? Like, what were the things that you thought? Like, what did he see? I mean, besides how handsome you are, what are some other qualities that he looked for? Have you seen this hair? <laughs> I was just about uh, to say, man, and how, how perfectly quaffed that, uh, that, that yeah, yeah. I, it's almost as, it's almost as good as yours, Tony. It's almost as good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, well, I think, um, obviously I have a real hard time talking to people. Uh, I don't have any kind of personality and I stutter a lot. So, uh, you know, those were some of the hindrances I had, but I think, you know, I, I owe a lot to Taro, uh, for where I am at today. And I think he, what he saw, and and he's very good at this as well. When he sees potential in somebody, he's really open to taking a chance on that person. And so I think uh, it was probably pretty obvious that I was miserable. And I think, you know, from his, from what the, you know, our conversations together, it was, he saw somebody that was really miserable, had a lot more potential and was stuck in a place that, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't that great for him. And so Carl saw that in me. And I think just being, just doing what I do, because my strong suit really is building relationships with people. It's, it's communicating, it's getting to know somebody, it's building rapport. And so my job within the bank was as a private client banker. So I was dealing with high net worth clients. I had no real estate uh, background. I really didn't have anything um, as far as real estate was concerned to bring to the table, but my personality, my, you know, uh, ability to communicate and talk to people that really, I think is what kind of opened the door for me to work with Tarl. Yeah. Nate, just, I, I want to go back really quickly to something that you mentioned about like, you know, the whole laying on your deathbed thing. And I think there's a lot of value and you use the phrase future casting in that way. And there's a, there's a book I'm reading right now. It's called the good life. And it's by uh, two doctors, uh, Robert Waldinger and Mark Schultz. Uh, but it, it basically it was this this longitudinal study where they they followed like hundreds of people over multiple decades from the time they were like 18 until they were like in their 80s and they passed away and they even followed on with their kids and their grandchildren so just like crazy amount of data and it just goes into like hey what are the key factors of actually living a good life based on this this really long comprehensive study and um a lot of it was kind of tied into what you said about taking some of those risks and uh kind of surrounding yourself with people that you really get energy from as opposed to being in an environment where you've got a bunch of energy vampires that are kind of pulling life out of you so i just want to plug that book i'm, I'm like 
30% through it. I've already really enjoyed it. But The Good Life by Robert Waldinger and Mark Schultz, if you guys are looking for a good read on that. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a very interesting point that I'm, I'm still learning. And it's there's a I think there's a at least in my life, there's a tipping point where I'll be in a situation or I'll be in a job, not well, not a job anymore, but um, I'll be in a situation where it just uh, it no longer feels life giving. It never longer. It's like a energy drain on me. And I think it's very challenging to want to uh, pursue safety and security over having like the integrity to say, hey, this is no longer really helping me. Um, it's killing me and, and trying to make active changes. Cause I mean, the reality is we're not trees. We can move, we can make changes and we can make those things. Right. So, you know, when you realize that those things are starting to happen to you, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's something you, you have the ability to make changes to, to improve that situation and, and find that vein of, Hey, this is giving me life. This is now exciting. This is good for me. This is getting me to where I need to go. So just being aware of that. And I'm, I'm still learning that as well, you know, but okay. Now I need change. Let's, let's start working that. One more plug because I, I said the word book. And anytime we say the word book on this <laughs> podcast, Ash and I now have to plug the real estate partnerships book with Ash, uh, Ash and I co-authored. Uh, if you head over to biggerpockets.com slash partnerships, you guys can pick up a copy of that book. But now anytime the word book or partnership is mentioned on this podcast, we have to plug uh, the real estate partnerships book. Okay. Well, we're going to plug that a couple more times then. Pretty soon. Anytime the word real estate is said, <laughs> yeah. we're going to start plugging it. <laughs> so tell me, Nate, what kind of investing do you like to do? <laughs> I, I, well, actually, after that whole thing with Tarl, I don't, I don't actually do real estate anymore. <laughs> so. Oh, real estate. Oh, so we have this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Nate, let's, let's talk about when you made that transition, you're leaving your bank job and you're going to work for Tarl. What were some of the things that you were doing for this job? Like what was the actual position? So this is uh, a little bit funny and um, I'll do the condenser version. Tarl, uh, when he hired me, was looking to replicate himself. He wanted to kind of get step away from the business, run the business and just replicate himself. Um, we could probably talk about this as well, but I left the bank with a very much of W2 mentality and Tarl was looking for somebody with a more of a like independent, I'm going to go figure this out and get it done. So like the first two weeks, I'm just like sitting in the car with him. I'm like, all right, man, tell me what to do. I have no idea anything about anything. Just tell me what to do. And uh, after about a month of that, he was starting to get pretty frustrated. And so, uh, uh, if you talk to him ever, like, you'll find out he was going to, I was on my way to getting fired actually. And then we went to a Jocko conference down in San Diego and that reframed some of his thinking. And so anyway, I got a second chance, but what was apparent is that like my strong suit and my, my, my skill set wasn't really around, um, the detailed operations of like uh, managing a project. Now I can do that, but I wasn't, I wasn't the skill match for Tarl. And so what it became apparent is that I'm much more uh, stronger suited or my skill set is really in building relationships and uh, you know, th that type of thing. And so where the role that I kind of fell into, or I kind of got you know, more focused on was acquisitions. So networking with wholesalers, going direct to seller, um, and, and that kind of the wholesale aspect of the business. And so just again, you know, kind of Taro realizing like, Hey, you're better suited over here, not what I originally planned. So let's move you over here and get you kind of in a better role. And so that was kind of how I kind of fell into this whole acquisitions, you know, door knocking, cold calling, uh, you know, deal finding all that kind of good stuff. That is such a real thing. The W2 mentality. And it's also part of like, who you are too, as far as like, you know, your disc profile and things like that as to how you perceive the world. But, you know, being, you just want to be told how to do something and you can master it instead of having to figure it out. And then there's other people that, you know, want to figure it out and can figure it out. But that was something I struggled with too, with one of my business partners, he came from the W2 world and everything was like, handed to him is to like, here's what you have to do. And he would just go and do it. And then it was on to the next thing. Of where's what you had to do. And there was never really a lot of like decision-making or even like scheduling yourself or, you know, any kind of um, task management because everything was just given right to you. And I think making that transition is really hard. I mean, honestly, I think it like took him a year. Like now he oversees all of the the maintenance for my property management company. And it is like 
boom, 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 like everything is just done. He just like takes action on it. But if that he was doing that like a year and a half ago, I literally would have had to sit down with him. Okay, here's this work order. This is what you have to do. Now let's schedule it for this day and this time. Now go ahead and text her. Tell her you're going to be here at this time, this day, you know? And then, but like now you can just go and figure it out. But that is such like a big thing. So what are some of the things that you did to kind of get out of that? Because I feel you obviously haven't stayed stuck in that W-2 mentality. I can seriously doubt Tarl is still telling you exactly what to do every day. (laughs) Well, it's funny because I I mean, it's actually funny because now... um, about, about, you know, I'd say about eight, 12 months ago, like we've kind of stopped doing real estate up here in the Pacific Northwest. So we work together on other aspects of that. And so um, if I did have any W2 mentality a year ago, it's definitely gone now because it's now 100% dependent on me. Right. And so I, I think I'm looking, I'm trying to think back to like when, like my mentality on this kind of stuff. And I think it's when you really, really want it bad enough you will figure it out. People want the easy road. They want the easy, like five steps to, you know, make a million dollars. And those, that information exists except for, what did I see? Hold on. I have to read this quote today. And it's like, I posted this, right? It was like building a real estate business is simple. Knowing what to do is simple. Executing on what to do is hard. Being consistent is hard. Delayed gratification is hard. Being persistent is hard. And so I think it's just one of these things that um, it's not wrong to have a W2 mentality, but it, it can be hard to succeed. And so you have to have this mentality of like, I am going to succeed. I'm not going to quit. I want this. And I'm not going to wait for somebody else to come kind of spoon feed me. I have to go get it and I'm going to go get it. And so um, I don't know if that was clear, but that's kind of like my thought process on that. I mean, you you kind of said it yourself that no one's going to spoon feed you. You have to have to go get it, Nate. So once you and Taro had that realization of, you know, hey, the the detailed operational management isn't kind of speaking to your natural genius, it's more so the relationship side. What did that onboarding experience look like? Like, how did you figure out what you should be doing every day? Or what was the effective way to go out? And, and just to, like, even, I guess, just taking one step back, you know, if you can first just define kind of what your new goal was after you guys have kind of decided, okay, here's the role for, for Nate, like what was the end result you were looking for? And then how did you go about kind of teaching yourself how to do that? Yeah. So one of the, the, one of the advantage, now I have to be very clear. Like I had an extreme advantage, um, working with someone like Tarl, um, because it gave me a, a lot of things. It gave me access to a lot of high level people that normally a lot of people starting out don't get. So that, that was an advantage. Uh, he put me in the room with a lot of very successful guys that I could pick their brain and kind of learn from their systems and stuff like that. And so that was a huge advantage. I think with social media and things like that, people today, even if you're starting out, you can still kind of get, um, the help that you need. But I mean, it was really nice having that kind of thing. Now, thing that was a challenge was that there was no onboarding process. There was no like, Hey, this is how you wholesale. It was more like, Hey, go talk to this person and figure it out. And so, uh, even though I had these connections, I made a lot of stupid mistakes, uh, which we could talk about if you want, because um, I'm sure your audience would love to hear about dumb things that happen. But uh, I know I do. Uh, <laughs> I would love to hear about like what that process has turned into for you, because that was yeah. like part of you know a lot of value that you bring, and you've helped me a ton with this. Is um, you know how to actually talk to people to sell their property and what that those kind of processes are. So do you want to start from like the very beginning of like how you're even finding a house, how you're then finding the seller and kind of go from there? Uh, well, well, first off, Tony, did I answer your question? Did I get to that? Yeah. Okay. I, I think the only thing, the only other thing I'd add is just like the, the goal of what it is, right? Like T- Taro brought you in because he had a, a business of flipping homes and in order to profitably flip homes, you have to buy properties at a discount in comparison to what you'll be able to sell them for. So if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, Nate, the, the role that you were then slotted to fill was to help Taro find those undervalued properties. Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Correct. Correct. And yeah, that came through, okay. it could be a number of different ways, like networking with other wholesalers, myself doing that, uh, agents. It was just like, I just need to bring in, I, th- I think it was about two to three deals a month is what I needed to bring into the to the business. Okay, let's let's start with that of like, how are you even finding the deals you're bringing them in? Like, I want to create a step by step process. So 
everyone listening can go ahead and write this down, make their own little checklist and kind of do exactly what you do because you are so great at it. So first thing, how to find houses. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you for that kind word. Uh, I will say there's there's two uh, two tracks. Right. There's the people and we could we could go deep on this if you want, because this is where I'm, I'm probably most passionate about. Um, you have the people that don't have a lot of disposable income and they're going to have to, you know, bootstrap it and they're just going to have to get after it until they can make some additional income. And so I, like on that vein. So like so we have like the I have to just get after it because I don't have a lot of capital invest. One thing I would say there's a, a couple of things that I would say. Number one is I would download the driving for dollars app. And I would, if if people aren't familiar with driving for dollars, it's basically where you drive around neighborhoods and you're looking for dilapidated houses, tarps on the roof, boarded up windows, overgrown lawns, vacant houses, missing uh, power meters, you know, things like that. And so if you don't have a lot of money to invest and there's other, other apps that can do this, I just prefer because I'm friends with Tucker Merrihew. Um, uh, I don't get any kickbacks from this, although Tucker, you should sponsor me. Uh, 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 but you, I would download the driving for dollars app. And then over a weekend, I would, uh, drive around median household priced, uh, median price houses in a neighborhood that you're relatively familiar with or a town or a city you're familiar with. And I would drive up and down every single street and I would create a list of at least a thousand houses, uh, over a weekend. And so if you live in a place like Portland, you could do that in a couple hours. So are, what are you looking for when you're looking at these properties? Like what was some of your kind of criteria? So, uh, like I kind of mentioned before, like if, uh, the house is vacant, if you got boards on the windows, if you got tarps on the roof, if it's overgrown, grown and with like a bunch of vacant, nasty cars in the thing, um, you know, uh, any signs of distress really, um, with this one, uh, I mean, sometimes you can be a little bit liberal on it. You just have no idea who's willing to have a conversation. But um, any signs of distress, pro tip, actually drive down the alleys. Like, I don't know in most cities, but like ours, we have kind of back alleys that drive be- you know, between two streets of houses. Sometimes that gives you a different perspective where the house looks good on the front and you go down the alley and all of a sudden there's a, oh, this is absolutely really bad. So you can mark the house down, but any signs of distress, like just mark it down. And so like what the driving for dollars app will allow you to do is you can just drive with the map open or the app open. You can drop a pin on the house and you can just kind of, you know, track your progress on what streets you're going up and down. And I would just continue to build that list. Ideally, you want to build that list to five, seven, 10,000, depending on your market and depending on how, how hard you want to go. Just one clarifying question. So Mm -hmm. Nate, I I want to, I want to give some context to the rookies that are listening because you just said you want to get this list to not 500, but five or 10,000. First, how much time do you think it would take for someone to get to a list of that size driving for dollars, you know, and, you know, just like cumulatively, how much time would they have to spend driving? And then why does the list need to be so big? Because I think some people have this misconception around, you know, the the volume that you need to be able to source markets off deals. So how much time and, and why that volume? So I would say a couple of things on that. Number one, you don't have to have five to 10,000 to start. If you were a brand new person, if you, if one of your listeners is a brand new person, they sat in front of me and they're like, I want to get my very first deal. I would say, download this app and then go create a list of 200. Start with 200 and tell me your top 20 worst houses that you found that are vacant. For sure, there's nobody in there and they're really, really bad. And so I would start, you don't have to have that number, but if you're going to build a business and actually grow this to continually source off market stuff, um, you know, basically, uh, you want a larger list. And the reason you want that is, uh, and I've seen this a lot with a lot of newer people is that they'll, they'll buy, they'll find a hundred houses and they'll market to that, but they won't get any calls. Well, your, 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 your section of people is very, it's too small and you, you just need a larger uh, group to actually try and generate consistent leads. And so if you have five, six, 10,000 houses that you're marketing to, well, then, you know, the deals will start. You're going to get more deals that way, essentially. And I, I think just one thing to call out is that sellers' timelines don't always match with when you're marketing to them. And this is like, I, I kid you guys not. Uh, when I first started investing in real estate back in 2000, and I think it was summer of 2019. Um, I sent out a bunch of mailers to Shreveport, Louisiana, where I was investing at the time. 
I got a call last week <laughs> from <laughs> someone on one of those mailers, and he said, hey, I wasn't ready to sell when I got your mailer, but I'm ready to sell today. That was almost you know four and a half, five years ago that I sent those mailers out, and, and someone's calling me today. So I, I think it just goes to show that you, you've got to start planting those seeds, and then over time, they all start to kind of sprout up. Tony, are we going to have another... Uh story about another, another house in Louisiana. <laughs> no, I didn't even call him back. I didn't even call him back. I'm not going back there. Give me the lead. I'll deal with it. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah give it to me. Oh, we'll sell it. So as far as like, okay, you have your list, you have the property address, right? Yep. Are you other finding other information? What's happening once you've started to build this list of addresses? Yeah. So what I would say, again, if you have no money and you're, you're bootstrapping it and you're, and you're just starting out, um, what I'd say is once you get to 200, I'd start taking action. Uh, now the driving for dollars app, and I know there's other, like other, uh, apps that will like deal machine, I think is one other one. And, and they'll give you a little bit of the seller's information. Seller data is probably one of the most challenging aspects of off market stuff. Cause you're not always getting the right stuff. Information is like most skip tracing services are, you know, probably 70% accurate. And so um, I probably spend a little bit too much on this, um, but I have four, three other programs that I pay every month to have access to. And so, yeah, so these would be the ones I use um, and you don't have to spend all this money on these, but if you're going to do this long-term, you might, might be worth it. I have white pages and I think that's like 60 bucks a quarter. So like 20 bucks a month, I think. Uh, REI skip, you pay per skip uh, on that one. So you put in like, 50 bucks and that'll last you until you're done. Nate, what's a skip? Oh, <laughs> yeah. you pay per skip. What's a skip? Oh, good question. Um, so, so basically white page, uh, let me give you the, this and I'll, I'll explain all that. So okay. I've used white pages, REI skip and people finder pro, and then, then, and then driving for dollars. And so what this does is this allows you to look up the homeowner's information, uh, and get a bunch of emails, phone numbers, and potentially mailing addresses. And so between all between the driving for dollars app, white pages, REI skip and people finder pro. I generally can find a phone number for the seller. Um, and so what, if, if you were again, sitting in front of me, I'd say, once you have a list of 200, you have your top 20 worst ones. I would not think about it too much. Look up, you know, even get a piece of paper out, you know, write it down, your seller leads, uh, write down all their address or their phone numbers, and then just pick up the phone and you call. So you, you, you mentioned a few pieces of software, but you didn't mention PropStream, uh, which I feel is like a super popular one for a lot of wholesalers that I know. Uh, is there a reason why, why you're, you're not using that software? I, uh, I use PropStream when I'm like pulling lists and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I do use PropStream. There's nothing, nothing against it. It's just, you know, for the initial find on things like, um, you know, I have nothing against PropStream. I, I, I use them. This is just kind of like how I kind of like started and I've just kind of got stuck in my ways. And so this is yeah. not the only way. This is not the only yeah. way. Okay. So now you've got your list. So you gave us the example of driving for dollars and actually looking at the properties. But then you mentioned sometimes you do use PropStream to actually pull lists without doing the driving for dollars. So when you go into PropStream, they have the filters. So what are some of the filters that you are using to kind of find the properties for you. Okay. So this, I think if I were to break this down in my mind and maybe for your listeners, I would say that if you have a little bit of money to invest in uh, pulling a list and hiring a professional company, then I might use PropStream. And then there's, there's two thoughts within this one. You can do just try and get the cream of the crop off the top of a market. And then, then you can, really dive in deep and then try and stack your lists. And so what that means is if you find multiple pain points on a property, that's going to give you a better chance of maybe having a, a conversation or maybe having them want to sell. So what do I mean by that? I mean that like if you have a house that's vacant, that's out of state owned, they have a uh, code violation and they're tax delinquent. All right. Let's imagine those are all the problems and you can filter for that on PropStream. Basically, that, that seems like a great motivation for somebody that doesn't live there. It's vacant. It's got problems. It's got taxes backing up. That seems like it'd be a great motivation. So you can spend the money to then like pull these lists, stack them together, and then you can call them. And that's, that's going to cost you a little bit of money. Or if you want to do like I'm doing some general marketing, trying to see if I can pull some easy stuff off the top of a market. So I'm actually just starting this down in Arizona. 
um, is I just pulled a tired landlord list, right? Like, so right now, just with everything, I just pulled a list and that's an actual subtitle on PropStream. And so you can just go down from like the suggested list. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, just tired landlords. And so I pulled the area that I wanted to be in and I just pulled that list. It was about 5,000. And so then I sent it over to my skip tracing company, uh, which I just got a new one. And then um, I sent it over to my marketing people and we're, we're now marketing to that. So we'll see what happens. Did, did that make sense? Like kind of the two thoughts there, like you can go just general kind of broad spectrum over a market, or you can go real deep on, on a market and, and by stacking lists and stacking pain points. And I also just want to shout out, right? So as an alternative to uh, PropStream and some of the, the data that, uh, that that Nate's called out here, BiggerPockets also has a, a partnership with Envelo. That's I-N-V-E-L-O. Uh, and Envelo also allows you to pull a lot of that kind of owner data that you'll get from some of these other sources. As a pro member, you get a $50 credit. So if you are already a pro member, go and spend that $50. And if <laughs> yeah. you're not a pro member, you can sign up at BiggerPockets.com slash pro. Sweet. So Nate, okay, you have your list created. You went and you either were driving for dollars and got some addresses or you were going on your software and looking up properties. So now that you have your list together of addresses and now you've used your tools like wait pages, things like that to find the phone numbers of the people who may own this property. When you make the call, what do you say? Ooh, now... Again, I'm, I'm going to preface this with saying this is my, I'm very comfortable doing this. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, just to give you a backstory, like it's funny how things kind of come full circle. Uh, I mowed lawns to make a living and to make money, you know, my junior high and high school days. And so I would literally door knock people and uh, go do this. So I'm like, I hear I'm door knocking again. It's like, I can't get away from it. So this is something that I'm very comfortable doing and something that I think everybody can do, but I think it's a matter of like managing your expectations. And I think that's where a lot of people get gummed up. So I'll tell you what I say and what I do. And then maybe we could dive a little bit deeper on this because as soon as I say cold calling, most people just kind of shut down or door knocking, shut down. Oh, I'm never going to do that. Like, I can't do that. I promise you, you can. And with your skill set, with your skill level, with your own unique personality, you absolutely can do this. Real quick, part of the reason we are doing this episode today is because Nate flew out to Buffalo to visit me and we're driving from getting chai teas and he sees a house with papers in the window, like oh, it might be vacant, whatever. Signs. Pulls it up, finds a relative of the person that died in the house and they're like five minutes from my house. And he's like, I'm going to drive over there, knock on their door, see if they want to sell it. I was like, um, okay, you and Daryl go. I'm just staying here. Like, I don't want to go do that. That like makes me scared and nervous. So part of this episode that we're having is for me to become better at uh cold calling, cold knocking. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> or if, knocking. If next time I come out, you'll uh you'll come with. I'll It'll have to do it. Yeah. You'll wait in the car and make me go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and she was the nicest lady. Um so I, I think honestly, um, and we could talk about some resources and books that'll help people with this, but I, I keep it very, very simple. So when I'm cold calling and we could role play, who wants to role play? Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, I'll be the, I'll be the landlord here. Okay, cool. So uh, let me just preface this and say that like uh, the only objective that I have for this very first call is going to be, are you open to an offer? That's the only thing I need to figure out. Uh, one of the, the pitfalls that I see with people is that sometimes they'll see a vacant house and they'll begin to fantasize about how amazing this house is, all the money that I'm going to make when they, and then they find out that like, they're not even going to wanting to sell that you can't find a good working number. And so you begin to like get way down the road. All you need to do for this very first conversation is just figure out, are you open to an offer? All right. So this is how, uh, this is how the conversation would go. And then we can kind of break it down. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make your moves count. Bought a rental? That's a move. Made some serious stock gains? That's a move. Quit your job to go full-time on your side hustle? That's a move. Relocated for a fresh start? Okay, that's literally a move. Your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Whether you moved on from a job, made moves in your own business, did some side hustling, or house flipped your way to financial freedom, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction that you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy, and getting your max refund guaranteed. Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. TurboTax will make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. You've had a long day and waiting for you at home is a, is a frozen dinner? Look, you deserve better. Thankfully, Factors Delicious, ready to eat, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals are here to help. Fuel your body with what it needs with over 35 delicious, dietitian approved weekly options, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto Meals, all ready in just two minutes. Now, look, these are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. That's right, no prep, no dishes, no more messy meals. And look, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. And pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. With breakfast options like pancakes, midday snacks, smoothies, and more, you'll stay fit and full all day. Look, I'm getting hungry just thinking about Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash rookie50 and use code rookie50 to get 50% off. That's rookie50 at factormeals.com slash rookie50 to get 50% off. So ring, ring. Uh, hello. Hi, uh, is, is Tony there? Yeah, who, who is this? Tony, hey, uh, yeah, my name is Nate Robbins. I'm, I'm really sorry to call you out of the blue like this. The reason for the call is uh, I'm in the process of trying to buy a house here in Tacoma, and I noticed your house over on Main Street. It is probably a long shot, but- it, Look, I, I get calls like this all day. How did you get my phone number? Uh, you know what, Tony, I totally get that. Uh, I'm sorry, it is kind of a random call like this. Um, so basically, I drove by your house over on Main Street, um, homeowner information is public record. Uh, I use a program called White Pages. It was actually a book when I was a kid. Um, and I just looked up your own information and thought I'd give you a call. I'm kind of old school like that. I'd rather talk to you face-to-face um, versus just sending you a letter. And so I'm just, I don't know. I'm just curious if there's any chance you might be open to like considering an offer on the house. Well, I get calls like this all day, Nate. So what, what's your number? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, well, Tony, I... I've only ever driven past the house one time and um, I'm, I'm assuming you're probably like me. I've been on the receiving end of low ball offers and low ball offers are very offensive to me and I don't want to do that to you. Um, and so I don't actually have enough information to really make you a fair offer. Um, so it sounds like you might be open to actually looking at an offer if it was a, a fair price. Yeah, I think I'd be open to that. Okay. Yeah, great. Well, how I make sure I'd like to ask you a couple quick questions right now, if I if I can have 30 seconds. And then what I'd really like to do is then find a time to actually walk the property. I'd love to actually meet you in person. So, you know, I'm a real person. But, um, you know, would it be possible to walk it maybe like this Friday? Are you, you going to be around? 
Yeah. All right. That that's pretty good, Nate. I feel like I threw some some curveballs at you, man, and and you you handled those pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I, I've I, done this I, before. I like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I feel like the you know because I've I've done a very very few cold calls before trying to like source my own deals, and it's always like, who are you? How'd you get my number? I don't want a low ball offer. Um, you know, the property's perfect. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, but it, it, you you've kind of got a way to handle all of those objections. It sounds like. So I, I don't know if there's the best way to do this. Like I have, I have a couple of things I could give your audience. Number one, I can give you my script, which is, it's, which is I'm happy to do. And then I also have a worksheet that has really, there's six objections you're going to encounter if you cold call or door knock. And one of those is how'd you get my number? What's your offer? You know, there's some basic ones you're going to come in contact quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Nate, we can put those uh, into the show notes. It'll be at biggerpockets.com slash blog slash rookie dash 326. Or you can also send Nate uh, a DM on Instagram and I'm sure you gave him your uh, phone number and your address so he can cold call you. He would definitely give you (laughs) a script. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me, before we go too far on this, like I would say like, uh, you might get a seller that's like Tony. They'll just immediately like, what are you doing? Or you are going to get people that are like getting a lot of calls or getting a lot of mail. You will do that. Most people, however, are, if you're normal on the phone are very normal. And so there's a couple key things. Number one, again, managing your expectations. Like I'm only there to see if you're open to an offer, if not, no big deal. And this goes back to our original point of saying like, why do you have 5,000 houses on your list? Well, or even if you have 500, right? It doesn't matter if you tell me no, it doesn't matter because I have 499 other people I got to call. So, you know, you have that kind of thing. But um, when you call though, it, it's, you have like seven seconds to get to this I, this line. And Ashley's heard me talk about this before and she's posted about it. It's the reason for the call, right? You have to get to that because you're calling these people out of the blue and, um, once you get to that line, it kind of allows you to get past their wall, right? It gets, gets you kind of behind their immediate rejection. Hi, Mr. Seller. My name's Nate. Sorry to call you the blue. The reason for the call is I'm trying to buy a house. I'm trying to buy a rental. Uh, you know, whatever the, whatever your motivation or your goal is for your, for your investing. And then I'm just, you know, I'm just curious if you're open to an offer again, yes or no. And then you might have to handle a couple objections, which is totally fine. And I play off the, well, how'd you get my information? I, I play it off. Like it's no big deal. It's no big deal. This is not a big deal. I, oh, I looked it up. Homeowner information's public record. Cool. Cool. Uh, oh, and, and then I always make a joke about like white pages used to be a book, you know, I'm like, oh, back when I was a kid, it was a book. Now it's online. I just looked you up and, you know, and then. I just give that reason. Then I don't know if you noticed like what I did. I immediately went on to say, so I'm just, do you think you might be open to considering an offer? Like, it's almost like it just went past it. I didn't even care. Like it's, you do care, but it's, you're just kind of like scooting past it. Right. If that made Mm -hmm. sense. Uh, And then he'll, he might bring up another objection. Well, let's just talk about it. And then, okay. So it sounds like you might be open to an offer, you know, so you're just kind of pushing the conversation forward, you know? Um, and so then, and then basically if they say yes, yeah, I'd be open to an offer. Okay. Mr. Seller, my process is cause I don't want to offend you with a low ball offer. I don't want to offend you. Most people don't want to be offended. Most people don't want you know, uh, let me walk the house to see if, you know, like, so I can make sure I make a fair offer. And then that allows you to then kind of, you know, go to the next step of actually creating a good offer. And then, you know, if you're going to wholesale it, if you're going to buy it yourself, it allows you to put accurate numbers together to, you know, um, you know, make the deal happen. So if they say yes, then I, then I'm shooting for the appointment. I want to see the house. So are you trying to set the appointment right then and there on that phone call too? Absolutely. Or one, yes. just, okay. Yeah. Okay. If, if, if they said, if they said no, I might toy with them a little bit, but if they say yes, I'm going to say, Hey, cool. Great. I'm going to ask him a couple questions about the house to sound like I'm intelligent. Like I know what I'm doing. What would the, can you give us a couple of those questions? I'll give you more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm gatekeeping that one. Uh, no, it's, it, but it's like, Hey, have you made any repairs on the property in the last five years? Great. Okay. Uh, how much do you owe on the property? Cool. If they say free and clear, that allows me to think of some like, Oh, maybe there's a creative option. Um, if the right offer came across the table, what it'd be your ideal timeline. Do you want to sell it? Cause some people are like, I need out of this in two weeks. Some people are like, Oh, I have six months. Okay, cool. That allows you to kind of gauge what's important to them. And I always throw this one in 
Now, some people are not going to be very comfortable doing this, but I always try and do it. I'm going to say, Hey, uh, do you have an ideal price range? It sounds like you've had a no. So if Tony, you know, we, we got past all the objections and we're having a conversation now, I'd say, so Tony, it sounds like you've been approached quite a bit. Uh, do you have an ideal price in mind for what you'd like to get for the property? And I kind of, you know, kind of throw it out super casual just to see if I can get a number from them. Or if they're like, Oh no, I didn't really thought about it. And I was like, okay, cool. But have you thought of maybe of a range of where you need to be? Uh, you know, and I, I try and get in a range. Cause if they're like, Oh, well I need $500 million. Well, I'm like, is that for real? Cause like, I, you know, I always make a joke about it. Like, Hey, listen, I, I totally would give that to you, but my money people, you know, they don't let me make that decision. I have to back up my offer, you know? Um, but uh, but if they're adamant, like give me $5 million or I'm never selling. And the most that these houses are selling for are half a million dollars. Okay. Hey, Mr. Seller, we're, we're probably not on the same page. I love to put a real offer together if you're, if you're serious, but if you're really stuck at 5 million, I, I really, I'm not going to be the guy for you. Um, and you know, sometimes you can break past that by just saying that, but sometimes it's like, that's the number. They're so sick of people reaching out. Okay. Thank you for your time. Have a good day. Um, I move on. Nate, so once you once you kind of go through the the conversation and say you find, I guess first let, let me just ask one cl clarifying question: How many conversations do you typically need to have to book one appointment? Do you have like a, a ballpark that people? Yes, great question. Uh, and this is again like kind of even setting expectations in your mind. Uh, I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I'll speak for myself. Uh, there's been times where I found a house and I I fall in love with this house. It's so nasty. It's so vacant. It's so, <laughs> oh, my heart, you smelly. know, smelly, you can smell it from the street and you start thinking about how amazing this deal is going to be. And then mm -hmm. nothing comes of it, right? You can't find the seller. They're not going to sell whatever reason, uh, in your mind, this is the statistic based on your skill level. It could be better or worse. Uh, but what you need to have in your mind is one for every 100 contacts you make actual conversations. It could be a no, it could be via email, whatever. For every 100 contacts, you should get one deal. So like it kind of translates hundred contacts, maybe you get 10 appointments, one deal, something like that. That's not an exact science, but that will help you kind of break down the daily activity that you should have to do to try and get a deal. So again, if you were sitting in front of me and we were having a conversation, I would say, uh, you have a list of 200. Okay. You're going to call these people. You're going to in 100 contacts, 10 appointments, one deal. That means you have to make, to break it down, super simple. You have to make five contacts every single day, Monday through Friday. You don't even have to work the weekends, right? Mm -hmm. Five contacts Monday through Friday that should equate to one deal. Now that's going to depend some on your skill level and different things like that. Um, but I would expect that you would have one deal in the pipeline, one deal under contract, one deal ready to go. Now, if you want two deals a month, well, maybe you need to make 200 contacts in a month, you know, so on and so forth. Right. Nate, how are, how are you keeping track of this communication with these sellers? Are you, are you using a CRM or are you just kind of keeping track of it in like a Google spreadsheet or just, you know, are you rain man and just, it's all in your mind? Like, like how are, how are, how are you keeping track of it? There? <laughs> no, if, uh, if you know me at all. It's not safe in here. I'll forget. I, uh, I looked at my, I like, Oh, I, uh, yeah. Let's just say there's been a number of times where I've written down something on paper and then, uh, I found that paper months later and I was like, Oh, I forgot to put that in Podio. Uh, and then I missed that deal. So, uh, yeah. So for me, um, to, to manage my deal flow is I, I'm using Podio. Uh, for my CRM. So what are some other ones that people can use too? Uh, at a very, okay. Look, if you're, if you're super cheap, just use a Google sheets, you know, something, write it down. What do they say? A, uh, uh, a short pencil is better than a long memory, <laughs> you know? So like the, the idea, mm. write it down, write it down and track it. Um, and then the other thing that I'm, I have to do for me is cause like, uh, I, I'm a visual person. Um, and so like what I'll do is I'll, as soon as I'm done with a seller appointment or a seller call, if I have an appointment or a follow-up, I put it in my calendar in my phone so that it, it comes up like, hey, make sure to follow up with Mr. Smith, follow up with Tony. He can meet on Friday at three o'clock. And so I, I immediately put that in my calendar. Then I'll put my notes in Podio and then also track it through there. But um, 
but yeah, I, I know there's a bunch of different ones out there, uh, but Podio is just the one I kind of fell into early on and I'm stuck with it. So. Okay, cool. And, um, kind of to wrap all of this up, what's like when you do go to the showing, what are some of the most important pieces of information you want at the showing? Yeah. So whether you're going to wholesale the property or whether you're going to do it for yourself, and this is something that Tarl, uh, one of the major lessons that I learned. And so even if you're flipping houses and you're listening to this, like, um, uh, when I show up to the property, my several objectives, one of them being is that I will take 180 to 120 photos of the property. So, uh, I will do wide angle photos. I'll start from the street and I'll walk all the way around the property. Uh, then I'll start at the front door, walk left to right throughout the house. And I'm getting detailed photos of the entire thing. And then I'm taking pictures of like the quality of the roof, the water heater, the electrical panel. Uh, if I can sneak in the foundation, I'll take pictures under there. I'm not crawling under there, but I'll at least take pictures underneath. Uh, I'm paying attention to noting like if there's slants on certain parts of the 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 house, I'll get under the sinks and take pictures of the plumbing, any of these big ticket items. And so this allows you to do two things. Uh, one of the biggest frustrations, cause I worked with a lot of wholesalers. One of the biggest frustrations I had as someone trying to buy properties from wholesalers is they would send me three pictures of the house and, uh, an address and like, Hey, do you want this house? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but if you were to, um, I'll tell you this right now. You'll be the rock star wholesaler uh, in your market. If you send a hundred <laughs> photos, not even for wholesaling though, Nate, even just for your own information to put together yes. an accurate offer, to put together your scope of work and estimate what your rehab is going to be. Yes. As you can go back and you look at the pictures, you can look at the video instead of having to remember like, wait, how many windows were on the house now? I think there was two in the front, two in the back, you know, yep. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to need 10 windows. Here's what my cost will be. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, two points. So, uh, I would say like if you send, so a typical wholesale package for me is like a hundred photos, I'll sketch a very basic floor plan. I'll put in some comps and I'll put in like, uh, the, the stats of the property and I'll send it out. I'm like, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's the major list of things you're going to have to do. I don't necessarily price that out. I have an idea of how much that will cost, but everybody's prices are different. And so I send a package together. And so if you do that for, for wholesaling a property, man, that's going to be, you're going to be light years ahead. You'll get you faster answers as well. Um, and then to your point, Ashley is like a lot of times I'd be walking these properties to, for us to buy them. And so it allowed us to do a better scope of work. Um, or if you're new and you're like, Hey, I don't even know what this is going to cost. If you have 150 or 80 to 120 really good photos, you could go to a contractor and say, Hey, I'll, I'll give you a hundred bucks. Can you sit down with me and tell me how much this is going to cost to do all this stuff? And it's going to allow you then to like, you know, kind of put your scope of work together. Uh, it's very easy, especially if you're doing a lot of appointments and a lot of, uh, you're getting houses mixed up. Was the electrical panel good on that one? Oh, wait, mm. where's, where's, where is like, oh man, it's really easy to get mixed up. So taking that and that allows you then to be more effective if you're going to buy it as well. Cause the last thing you want to do is like, oh, Hey, Mr. Seller, can I meet you at the property again? And sometimes they're cool with it. Sometimes not, but um, but that allows you to do that a little bit more effectively. Well, Nate, uh, such a wealth of information, brother. And, um, like I always love when we can deep dive a topic like this, because not only is it instructional for the rookie audience, but I feel like Ash and I always learn a lot when we kind of go yeah. through these deep dives as well, man. So, uh, appreciate you, you pouring into the rookie audience, uh, before we let you go, uh, got to pick your brain just a, a tad bit more. And I want to take us to the rookie request line. So for all of our rookies that are listening, if you want to get your question featured on the podcast, head over to biggerpockets.com forward slash reply. And we just might use your question for the episode. So Nate, are you ready for today's rookie reply? I'm so ready. All right. So today's question comes from Stephen Cobb. Stephen says, hey, I'm in the Dallas, Texas area. I've been out driving for dollars and I have a list of about 30 or 40 houses. I've already looked up owners and numbers on the county website. Question, when I call the owners, how will I know how much I should offer them? I don't even know the bedroom, square footage of the property, or what needs to be repaired. How can I run comps to come up with an ARV so that I know what number to offer, even though I don't have all of this info? So Nate, what would your advice be to Stephen? Stephen, great question. Uh, two things. One, drive for dollars more, get a bigger list. 
uh, uh, to, to answer your question, this is why I always set the appointment. So there's some things you can do. You can look up the basic square footage, bed, bath, count, garage, lot size of a property, and then you can run comps generally on that. You can get a general idea of a range of maybe what that property is worth, but you're not going to be effective. And I would say as effective without going and walking the property. So it sounds like you have like the, the, the hesitation of like, well, what do I offer? Well, do you have enough information? And so that's why like when I call, if they're open to an offer, I want to then set the appointment. So then I can go and walk the property, take my hundred hundred photos or so, and then go back and run a proper analysis. Um, so you can do a, a rough range based on like the, the stats. Um, but I would say set the appointment, walk the property, you know, dial back your expectations, be like, Hey, Mr. Seller, I don't have enough information to make you a fair offer. Right. So how I avoid making an, a, a, a low ball offer and offending you is I want to walk the property. Let me walk it. Let's do that. Meet you say hi. And then I can, I, you know, give me 24 to 48 hours and I'll, I'll get you an offer then. Nate, thank you so much for all of your information today and taking the time to, uh, on the episode. I know, I know you're sick of me and Tony all the time. So I greatly appreciate you taking the no, time to do this. No, I'm coming to, episode. I'm coming to the bigger pockets conference just to hang out with you guys. <laughs> well, Tony won't be there, but <laughs> Tony, I'm, having I'm his baby. Yeah, yeah, baby, babies baby. do. I think like the week before BPCon, so we we will be phoning it in this year, and then uh, we'll yeah. have Baby Robinson at uh, BPCon 2024. Yes, let's go, let's go. So Nate, you'll just have to fill in as as Tony for the Done. conference. Done. So I will wear practice my... his signature so you can sign some books. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna wear my black, black shirts. my black shirts and my black uh, <laughs> my black shorts will be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nate, where can everyone find out some more information about you and reach out to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably Instagram is probably the the thing that I'm trying to do the most. So uh, it's N, the number eight, Robbins, R-O-B-B-I-N-S. And then, like I said, uh, I'll send you the scripting and stuff. Um, but if, if people want the script or if they want the um, the objections, I need to see how if I can scan that and upload that. Uh, if they want to send me a DM, I'm happy to send that over to them as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nate. And we will put those documents in the, the show notes going to biggerpockets.com slash blog slash rookie dash 326. <laughs> or you could just DM me on yeah. Instagram at yeah. n8robin. <laughs> could you say that one more time, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where do we need to go, Ash? What's that? What's that? You're elegant. Everyone knows the dashes. I bet horizontal, vertical dash <laughs> hyphen. <Yeah. laughs> Well, Nate, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. I'm Ashley of Wealth Farm Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we will be back on Wednesday with another guest. Still.